Uh, this morning, I have the privilege of continuing a series that we started last week that we are calling Mindfield, winning the war of the mind, for the mind, in the mind. Um, because whether you realize it or not, you are caught in the middle of an epic war. And this war is being waged on the battlefield of your mind, on the battlefield of your heart. Um, and here is the reality. This war matters immensely because, and we'll put this up here on the screen, whatever controls your mind controls your decisions, your direction, and ultimately your destination. This is a big deal. And whether you realize it or not, there is a war that is being waged for the control of your Mind, Because where your mind goes, the rest of your life follows. This is so key. When, when we typically think about living life and maybe doing things a little bit better or making some changes or experiencing um, life more rich and, and more meaningful, more full, we typically tend to go to the behaviors. What behaviors can I change? What things can I adjust in the practices of my life? And yet the reality is the vast majority of who you are actually lingers beneath the surface of your Behavior. Your behavior is just a small part of who you are. What actually determines where you go and what you do and your behaviors is what's happening beneath the surface. As you can see up here. There is a war and it's being waged where we don't typically tend to focus. Beneath the surface of our behaviors. Okay, so last week we started just getting introduced to this idea that we are caught up in the middle of a war. This week we want to start talking about what does it look like to fight the war of the mind. We can take this um, graphic down, but we want to start talking about well, what does it look like to, to wage and to win this war in our minds? And for that, we're going to spend some time in 2 Corinthians chapter 10. If you have a copy of the Bible, feel free uh, to meet me there. Otherwise, the verses will appear up on the screen and you can follow along that Way. If there is a war for my mind to control my decisions and my direction and my destination, then, well, what does it look like to fight and win that war? Here's what Paul says. For though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary... They have divine power to demolish strongholds. We demolish every argument and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. Ooh, this is such a packed and powerful passage of Scripture, And in this passage of scripture, Paul defines the war or describes the war within as a thought war. 
There is a war going on inside you right now. Even as you sit here and Paul describes it as a thought war. It's being waged with your thoughts. And again, while we may be tempted to focus on what you see and how you look when you stare in the mirror... There's a vicious thought war raging beneath the surface for the right to be in charge of your decisions, your direction, your destination. Okay, so let's talk about thoughts, baby. Um, Because if we are going to wage and win a thought war... um, I think it would be good for us to understand thoughts. Uh, when I think about thoughts, I think thoughts. That's all there is to it. They're just thoughts. But it's interesting. In this passage, Paul seems to teach us that not all thoughts are created equal. There are different kinds and different levels of thought that I think are going to be helpful for us if we're going to wage the war in the arena of our thoughts. Thoughts. Um, The first level of of thoughts that I think shows up in this passage are what I would call thought thoughts. This is deep. You better be writing this stuff down. Thought thoughts. It's estimated uh, that in the course of a given day, you are going to process about 70,000 thought thoughts. 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 Something that just jumps into your mind. Like, it's a nice day outside. That's a thought. Thought. And you will process about 70,000 of those, those in a given day. Now, of those 70,000 thought thoughts, research suggests that about 6,000 thousand of those are going to trigger what I would call thought threads. Thought threads is when a thought thought gets a hold of another thought thought and then ties to another thought thought that ties to another thought thought and creates a thread of thoughts. Now it's a sequence of thoughts going through my mind. And when the thread of thoughts is created, all of a sudden, there is an internal idea that forms. And this idea has possibilities. This idea has implications. Um, For instance, it's a nice day outside. That's a thought thought. I live in Indiana. I wonder if in about 15 minutes it's going to turn into a snowstorm. Or speaking of snowstorms, I need some winter gloves. Winter gloves. Now the thought thought has found another thought thought and another thought thought and it's become a thought thread. And when it becomes a thought thread, it's active. It comes online. That's typically when you recognize the fact that you are thinking about something. Or you've been thinking, but now you become aware of the fact it becomes an idea it becomes a plot line every day six of the 70,000 thought thoughts become thought threads and you become aware of them 6,000 thought threads in a given 
day. Even more striking, at least in, in this concept, um, is the research that suggests that over 5,700 of the 6,000 thought threads have become what I would call thought themes. Thought themes. Now they're not just random or isolated ideas. They are returning and recurring themes in your thinking. A thought thought met another thought thought and it became a thought thread. And out of the 6,000 thought threads, 5,700 of those on a daily basis are return customers. It's something that you return to and you think about on a semi-regular basis. 70,000 thought thoughts, it's a nice day outside. 6,000 thought threads, it's going to be a snowstorm, I need some gloves. And about 5,700 of those become a regular, like, oh, gloves, gloves. I'm constantly thinking about gloves. I look this way, I'm reminded about gloves. I'm thinking about gloves on a regular basis. Gloves have become a theme repeating in my thinking. Did you even know you had that many thoughts that repeat and replay? And if we're going to win and wage this war in the mind, this is helpful for us. To be aware of. Now my instinctive thought is like. Well. mm, I don't know. 5700 seems like a lot. Give or take. But come on. If we pause for a moment. And just thought about some categories. The political category. For instance. Oh, there are about 300 drop-down menus that lead to other thoughts, that lead to other thoughts, and they repeat on a regular basis. And some of them are tied to, to, to the candidate and which candidate, and others are tied to the news outlet and which news outlet is telling me the truth. And on a regular basis, those thought themes repeat in your mind. And then you start to think about the people in your family who are going to hell because they voted for the wrong candidate on the other side of things. And then that takes you down an entire thing. And this is a theme that repeats. And then while I'm thinking about my family, oh man, my kids, this one kid has just been doing really well. And that takes you down the sword and you start the theme around that. And then this, well, this one, mm, not so much. And I've gotten a note from the teacher and we need to do something about that. And that drops down to another theme. And if you think about it on a regular basis, if your parent With 50,000 kids like me, then there are so many themes that are going to be repeating on a regular basis. Bills, the bills are coming up, the bills are coming up, and I've got to pay the bills. And oh gosh, that reminds me, which bills? Well, that bill, that one's been a problem, and this bill, I, I, I need to cancel that. And your mind is constantly working, and some of those are recurring themes, that you were thinking about on a regular basis. And then you open up social media. And then each of those accounts triggers this theme. Reminds you of this. Oh, and you're reminded about how your house doesn't look like the house of the person that you follow on social media. And then every time you walk into the house and you're reminded of something else. And on and on it goes this becoming a theme. Every time you drive up to the house and you open the door and it squeaks, you're reminded of the house projects. And then that reminds you of the, the, the branch in the back that you need to chop down and turn into firewood and you haven't got to it. And then it reminds you of something else and the themes. The themes. Thousands of these themes 
on a regular basis. And then I have this secret. I have to be very careful with that thing. I hope that no one finds out. And then you have a drop down menu to make sure that you, did I come, did I turn, did I turn that off? And did I switch that? I, I, I can't be found out, right? And then that becomes a theme on a regular basis, not to mention your grades. And now you're dropping in this regard and you want to try and do a little bit better in that regard. Come on. If we took enough time, we would uncover the thought themes with drop-down menus and links that attach to things that we play on a regular basis in our minds. Thought thoughts that become thought threads and thousands of thought themes that we return to on a regular basis and they replay over and over again. But here's the thing that seems most concerning to Paul. I don't know if I mentioned there is a thought war for your mind. And in the midst of all of this, it seems Paul is suggesting that there are some deadly thoughts that are working to take over and destroy the life Jesus intends for you. They are looking to take control and take you down. Bad news thoughts. And if you don't recognize them, and fight them, they will eventually become what I am calling thought traps. It will start as a thought, and it will become a thread, and it will grow into a theme, and then it will morph into a trap. Now it's not just a theme that's repeating, it's a trench in which you are stuck, and your thinking cannot come out of it. You've gone back and forth and it's replayed over and over again. This theme over and over again. You've replayed it and you've added to it. And you've reinforced it and you've replayed it and you've added to it. And it's dug a deep groove that's become a trench. And all of a sudden it's trapped you and you are stuck. And the reality is if there is any area in which you are trapped, that is an area in which you cannot live Jesus' best version of life. For you, because that life is freedom and that life is fullness, thought traps. And now all of a sudden, it's not just that you like to think about politics a lot. It's that you are up all night subject to scary or angering scenarios that you can no longer turn off. And you are trapped in this trench of worry about political outcomes and realities and enemies and who's coming after what and who's trying to get you and you can't stop. You're trapped. Now it doesn't matter who tells you they love you because you are trapped behind this thought that has become a thread and has become a theme and now it's become this trap. Convinced of your worthlessness. Convinced of your ugliness. That is, that's the trap your thought has you in. And you experience people's compliments like they are mocking you. No, I'm just telling you you look nice. What's that supposed to mean? Because I know how I look and I know how worthless I am. And it doesn't matter what anyone says. You are in that thought trap, boy. Now it doesn't matter how great things may be going today. 
You can't enjoy them because you just know beyond a shadow of a doubt, nothing good lasts. Something bad is about to happen. Something bad is about to happen. You're in this trap that makes you blessing proof. Nothing good happens. Definitely nothing good happens ever to me. Nothing anyone can do to convince you they won't leave you if they get to know you. No. The thoughts trap says everyone leaves. And now it won't let you love or be loved. Don't come near me. You're going to leave. Uh, Nope, you're going to leave. So stay away. You cannot live the fullest life if you can't love or be loved. And yet thought traps. Thought traps. This is as good as this marriage is going to get. And for 25 years... You've not tried anything else. It's pointless. It's pointless. That's a thought trap. Wait, wait. You know very well this relationship is toxic. You know this relationship is hurting you, but you are caught in a thought trap that says this is as good as someone like you deserves. Where else are you going to go? Stuck in this trench. After what she did, I can never forgive her. And you've reinforced that and that's replayed over and over again. And that theme has become a trap and you cannot get out of it. You are so angry, so bitter because of what she did. Matter of fact, if you see anyone with blonde hair, it reminds you how angry you are. And you live just tensed up and you are joy proof. Hard to experience the fullness of joy that Jesus intends when you're in a trap of bitterness. The thought that says you cannot, must not forgive. And now I feel stuck behind that. I will never be more than that mistake that I made. I am just a walking failure. And guilt and shame just plague and haunt. And there's nothing that I can do. I am stuck in this cage, this thought cage and trap. Of I'm so dumb. My dad was so right. I walk into a room and I just know everyone else thinks I'm dumb. Everyone is staring at me and they are thinking the worst conceivable thoughts about me. And I, you know what? I'm just going to stay out of rooms with people in them. Thoughts traps. And if we were honest in church, we might all talk about an area in which there is a thought trap. And I pray the spirit of God would make those known to us. I wish I could stop thinking like this or or feeling like this about myself. I I wish that I could just choose to, to stop tormenting myself. But I feel stuck in the same place, subject to the same thoughts and feelings. I've lost the war in that area of my life. And it feels like there is nothing I can do. To which Paul says... 
Let me show you how to fight back. Chapter 10, verse 3. He says, for though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world wages war. Verse 4. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. That is powerful. And what Paul does in this passage is he brings us back to a place where he reminds us who we are and what we have. If you are going to fight this thought war and win it, you need to be reminded first and foremost of who you are. And one of the first things Paul suggests is you need to remember you are a conqueror. You are a conqueror. I love that. I was reading this over again and I remember just just feeling like, okay, whatever. And I needed the the, the spirit to to continue to allow me to see this in, in a new and fresh ways. And I pray that that's going to be true for you. But Paul says, listen, you are more than a conqueror and you woke up like that, by the way. If that's true, you don't ever get to accept defeat in that area of your life if you're a conqueror. If you're a follower of Jesus, it doesn't matter how long you felt trapped in a way of thinking or stuck in a pattern of behaving. Victory is kind of who you are. When Jesus saved you, he made you new. Matter of fact, he made a new version of you. And that new version is bad news. And I pray that you get introduced to this new version of you. And you start operating out of this new version of you. Romans chapter 8 verse 37. I love this. No. In all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. Paul says... Um, In case you didn't know, we have power to defeat every thought and crush every trap. I'm just telling you that so that you know. If you're going to fight well, you got to wake up understanding that you've already won. That you are a conqueror before the fight even begins. Now, you may have been victimized. I may have been victimized, but what Paul would say is, but you're not a victim. You're a victor. So you don't get to say, I can't. There is no battle that's too much for you. You're an overcomer. So I just thought, let's make church awkward. By turning to the person next to you and just telling them you're a conqueror. In case they haven't heard it. Come on, no one should tell them you're a conqueror. You're a conqueror. Come on. Come on. Man, if that's true, it means the only way I lose the war Is if I choose to give ground. 
Paul says something else. Because it gets better than that. Uh, When it comes to the thought war, you need to know that you, you actually have some superpowers. Like for real. Real, real ones. Not movie ones. Real ones. Every day you wake up with some supernatural weapons at your disposal. Check what Paul says. Second Corinthians 10 verse 4. He says the weapons we fight with, they're not from around here. They're not the weapons of this world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. We'll come back to that. Whenever you see stronghold, just think thought traps. They have divine power to demolish every thought trap. The weapons you have. They were forged in heavenly places by a holy swordsmith. Did you know that? When you step into this war, you need to wake up understanding it's not even a fair fight. It's technically not even right. Every thought that's warring for your mind, it shows up riding on a paper plane. And then here you come riding in a spaceship. It's not even close. That's what Paul is trying to get us to understand. I'll see your toothpick and I'll raise you a nuke. I'm just asking, do you even understand the weapon in your arsenal? I'm just reading the Bible. Paul wants you to know it's not even fair. You are a conqueror. And you have some supernatural weapons at your disposal. And by the way, in case you're wondering. I think Paul has a number of things in mind, but the primary superpower he has in mind here, the primary super weapon he has in mind is the word of God. Ooh, man. Hebrews chapter 4 verse 12. For the word of God is alive and active. We forget that sometimes. It's sharper than any double-edged sword. That's a weapon. Ephesians 6 verse 17. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Holy Spirit. Which is the word of God. That is a Weapon. When the New Testament uses warring language, the weapon of choice tends to be the word of God. It tends to be what God has said about you and what God has said to you. That's powerful. When we say the words of God are a weapon at my disposal... That's crazy. Just keep in mind for a quick second that these are the same words that created the universe. That's powerful. The word of God. And in this passage, Paul would essentially tell us, if this is true, if you are truly a conqueror and you truly have superpowers, supernatural weapon at your disposal, then fight like a super conqueror. Stop fighting like you're a regular person who got weapons from Radio Shack. 
2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 3. He says, though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world wages war. Ooh. See, my problem is that I've been battling thoughts and, and my feelings in human strength and with human strategies, primarily. And Paul would say, stop it. That's not who you are. That's not how you fight. That's his whole point here. We may be from here. We may live here. But we don't wage war the way the world wages war. And then he tells us how super conquerors fight a thought war. But I'm telling you, my prayer is even as we continue in this conversation, that there'll be something about us that grows to belief that I'm more than a conqueror in the person of Jesus Christ. And that I have access to, to supernatural. If I really believed that, Paul would say you would fight differently. You would wage war very differently from the way that you tend to typically wage war. And he gives some thoughts. Verse 4, chapter 10. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. He says, on the contrary, they have divine power to demolish every trap. I love that. If you're going to win this war, Paul would say, well, break the traps. The first thing he brings out here is break, break the traps. Uh, a stronghold is really any area uh, that has become so reinforced that nothing can affect it. Like a thought trap. So replayed and replayed and, and reinforced that it's become impossible to think any other way. And I feel stuck. And Paul would say, start there. Break the trap. Um, Paul, but that's the problem. That's the whole thing. I've tried and I am stuck and I cannot get out of it and nothing seems to change. The stronghold of fear or the stronghold of insecurity seems to remain unaffected. I've tried. And Paul would say, yeah, I don't mean try with your strength and your strategy. I mean try it with the supernatural weapon of the word of God. I'm saying try it with the sword of the Holy Spirit that is at your disposal. Agree with what God has said in his word about that thing and swing that sword with the words of your mouth as they agree with the words of God about that particular stronghold, about that particular situation. Speak to that stronghold what God has said about that stronghold. Swing the sword with your words. This is powerful. Declare it over that area of stuckness. I'm just telling you, my Bible says we have otherworldly power to bring strongholds down. I read that to mean the stronghold must come down when the weapon is applied. They have divine power to demolish strongholds. 
This is powerful. When the word of God is declared over that area. That stronghold has to come down. I'm just taking God's word at face value. When God's word said let there be light. Darkness didn't argue. Paul says stop working harder with newer strategies. Speak the sword. And the stronghold must come down. And if it doesn't seem to be coming down, come on, get in touch with your inner Joshua and just do seven laps and just say it again and again over that area. These walls are coming down. I refuse to stay stuck. Conquerors don't stay defeated. Strongholds must fall when the word of God is applied. Speak it again. Swing the sword. I am fearfully and wonderfully made. There is no way I can be a mistake. If I feel stuck in this place of worthlessness, I'm going to start to say what God has said about me over that space. His mercies are new every morning. Get off me, guilt. I've started my days like this now. Like His mercies are new every morning. In light of the things I said to my kids the night before. I don't want to stay stuck in the thought trap of guilt. His mercies are new every morning. God determines what princes and presidents sit on what thrones. I'm going to stay up late at night worrying about the outcome of some political event. I, refi- I speak what God has said about the political arena. And I'm going to speak it again until that stronghold comes down. And I am a little bit unshackled from this anxious fear that keeps me up at night. I'm telling you, most of us have used a thousand other strategies. But it's the word of God. Sharper than a double-edged sword. I'm just asking you, what trap can stand against what God has said? Weaponize the word of God and fight like a super conqueror. More on that next week. So make sure you come back. And then Paul would say the same thing about my themes and about my thoughts regarding the word of God. Verse number four says, the weapons we fight with are not weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have power to demolish strongholds. Verse five, we demolish arguments and we demolish every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. I love that. Paul says, we're going after everything. We demolish the strongholds and we demolish the themes. We stop the themes. Start with the traps and then he goes to the themes, right? Because before they become traps, they are themes that are replaying in my mind. Listen, behind every thought trap is a pretentious theme, a pretentious argument that I've agreed with over and over again. Many of us unaware are in contractual agreements with pretentious thoughts. That replay over and over again. And Paul defines these pretentious arguments as arguments that start believing they know better than 
God. He says, over time, this theme sets itself up against the knowledge of what God says. And it replays over and over until I find myself agreeing with it. And I go from agreeing with it to arguing for it. And from arguing for it to defending it. Yeah, I mean, but I feel like I wouldn't have these sexual urges if they weren't right. So I'm wondering now if maybe Jesus is outdated. Wow. That's a pretentious thought that places itself up against what God has said. When you see that, you better run, y'all. That is a theme that is out to destroy you. It is out to become a trap in which you get stuck. And before long, you're in a sexual addiction, wondering how it became so. And Paul says, when we recognize it, even in the theme stage, something that I'm starting to agree with that I know the word of God hasn't said, and I start to defend it, and I start to justify it, Paul says, oh no, apply the truth of the word of God to that theme and stop it in its tracks. I'm never forgiving her. And eventually you start to even speak that out loud and soon you feel justified. And you even tell your friends at church, I'm never forgiving her. And they're like, okay. Please hear me. If there's an area in your mind in which you're saying, I'm not forgiving her. If you, if you just knew what she did. That is a pretentious thought that is setting itself up against what God has said, who has forgiven you of all of your sin. And that theme needs to be stopped in its tracks by the word of God, because the word of God says, forgive even as in Christ I have forgiven you. And it's great for us to speak that if we're going to win the war over these thoughts and these themes that may start to replay. My parents are so weird. No other parents say the stuff they said. So um, I don't think I need to do what they say. Yeah! You right, you right. And before long you feel vindicated in just disregarding what your parents have said. That theme has played. And Paul would say, if you're going to win the war... For your thoughts, when you see a theme in which God has said, no, you obey your parents, you speak to that theme and you stop it in its tracks. Country first, country over everything. Really? It says seek first his kingdom. So that must be wrong. But you've seen what happens when we let that theme run and run and run and eventually stop that theme in its tracks. Don't enter into an, a contractual agreement. Do not agree with it. Do not reinforce it. Do not let it replay. Paul is saying if there's a theme that you're allowing to replay in your mind, knowing it's wrong, stop it. That's a great place to wage the war. Apply. The weapon of the word of God. And it must be silenced in light of what God has said. Verse 5. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. 
break the traps, stop the themes, denounce the thoughts. One of the best ways to fight the thought war is to win the thought war early. We can crush strongholds, we can demolish arguments, but the best place to win is to denounce the thoughts early. I thought it was so strategic how Paul spoke in this passage. It goes from a thought to a thread to a theme to a trap. And Paul says, you know how you fight back? Start with a trap, break that sucker. And then address any themes in your life that are repeating. Places that you think about often in which you are thinking in ways that disagree with the word of God. And stop those. And then he goes to the thoughts. Take every thought captive and tell it out of the gates. We are not even moving in that direction. We will do what the word of God has said. We will take it captive and make it obedient to what the word of God has said. The minute I realize that the thread is forming in my mind. And that thread is disagreeing with what the word of God says. Then I want to speak the word of God over that thought. And take it captive. That's not what God says. That's not what God says that I Am. I, I don't know what the Spirit of God is doing in you in particular. But I, I pray that he will reveal areas in some of our lives in which there is a thought trap. We are caught behind a stronghold. And maybe you know it because there's an area you know you're stuck in your behavior, in your thinking, in how late you stay up at night and you cannot sleep. But I'm telling you, there are some divine weapons in this room. And my prayer and my hope is that even as we sit and sing this final song, that strongholds will start to come down. That as the Spirit reveals an area, I pray that he would remind you of something that God has said about that area. And that even as we sing, you will speak over that area. I'm sorry, but God has said, I'm forgiven. So stronghold must come down. And for some of you, you might recognize there are themes and I'm starting to see them and they're repeating in my mind and I'm thinking about this thing. When I think about the things I think about most often, a lot of them are telling me that my identity is tied to how many followers I have. Well, it's telling me that it's tied to how much this I have or whatever it is. And God says, I'm blessed in the heavenly realms, every spiritual blessing in Christ. I'm good. And you might need to speak that. I don't know what he's inviting you into. And for some of you, it's just the acknowledgement that, wait a minute, I've lived like I'm defeated and I even speak like I'm defeated. I'm walking out of this room declaring I'm more than a conqueror. I'm more than a, con- shh, shh, I'm more than a conqueror. Don't tell me nothing. For the first time, I'm acknowledging the fact I'm not a loser. I'm not defeated. In Christ, I'm more than a conqueror. I don't know what he's inviting you into, but I'd invite you to respond. Even as we sing, uh, feel free to stand, feel free to sit, but respond in whatever way that he's inviting you to respond. And I'll be back out here in a moment to close out the service. We are more than conquerors. We have divine weapons. We get to win the war in our minds. 
as we lean into what Jesus has handed to us. But it's not going to be a one-time war. We are going to need to make the declaration of the word of God over those areas over and over and over again. It's for the long haul. And the Spirit will reveal other areas that we need to bring down. And the Spirit will reveal other areas that we need to speak the Word of God over. And we'll continue to fight. And as we do, we want you to be resourced. And so uh, we've actually created a, a page of resources on our website. If you go to our messages page, you're going to see some books. We would encourage you to read and wrestle and process through as you continue the journey in waging and winning this we are more than conquerors. Go out knowing that. I dare you to say it one time. I am a conqueror. One more time. Woo! Amen. Amen. God bless. We'll see you all soon.